and we're going to deal with some more unexpected. Yeah, it continues. Okay. Unexpected. We read earlier on, right at the beginning of the service uh, this morning, about Mary and the other Mary. I love the fact that she's called the other Mary sometimes in certain versions. I'm often called the other Mark. I, I, I was in a business once and there was me and another guy called Mark. And it was Mark and Tother Mark. So I became known as Tother Mark. So anyway, Mary and Tother Mary had gone off to the tomb. And I don't know quite what they were thinking because actually they knew the stone and the seal and the guards were covering that tomb. And I don't quite know how they thought they were going to get in. Maybe they were going to, I don't know, maybe they bought something nice for the guards. Could you just push the stone aside so we can get in? I don't know. But when they got there, the guards were gone and the stone was rolled away. I don't know if you've noticed, but the Easter story is full of the unexpected. God doesn't always do things that we expect. And so whether it is the fact that he came in on a donkey, whether it is the fact that he didn't protest at his trial, in fact he said nothing, whether it's the fact that God raised him from the dead and the stone was rolled away, all of these things to those that were around at the time would have been pretty unexpected. Which is a bit strange really, Because actually, Jesus has already told them what was going to happen. In fact, if we go to Luke 18, he says to his disciples, he says here, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him insult him, spit on him, they will flog him, and they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. It was quite plain, really. In fact, if they knew the Torah, if they knew all the, the prophets' writings, and particularly the book of Joel very well, they would know exactly what was going to be happening and what was happening right in front of their very eyes. But actually, it was quite unexpected. The problem is, it's not just 2,000 years ago. Sometimes today, we try and put God into an expected pattern. We try and think that we know what God's going to do. And that's a dangerous thing. And today, I want to challenge us a little bit about the fact that perhaps like those of 2,000 plus years ago, We tend not to listen. We think we know what God will do. But if we do that, we might be missing something. We might be missing the unexpected. Now, many of you will know I do lots and lots of different jobs. I've um, done work in IT and boring stuff like that. I've done um, stuff to do with managing projects. Um, And generally speaking... My experience of managing projects is this. You have a plan. You put resources against it. And you decide when things are going to be achieved by. And you set some goals. And then you sit back and you say, that's good. Everything's going to plan. And before long, 
It doesn't. It goes wrong. It goes not to plan. And the unexpected happens. Well, this isn't true of God's plan. Because actually God's plan, from his perspective, as if you like the ultimate project manager, goes entirely to plan. None of this is unforeseen. Let's turn back to Acts and our passage that we read just a short while ago. Now, I need to put this into context a bit for you. Julia went through um, some of the things that we have in the Easter story running up to this day. Easter Sunday, as we celebrate it, the day he is risen. Actually, this passage comes a little bit further along. This passage comes at a time that we know as Pentecost, and if you're in the Church of England, or if you come from a more structured church than perhaps Abbey Church, then you wouldn't necessarily go through this passage until about 49 days' time. We're doing it early. I actually don't know why we're doing it early, but this is the passage that we picked. And it is a time when a lot of things has happened over the last days and weeks. And as promised by Jesus, it is a time when his spirit is sent to the, to the disciples that are left in Jerusalem. And a big crowd has gathered because they are speaking to the gathered crowd. In fact, thousands and thousands and thousands of people have gathered. And what we read this morning is actually, if you like, Peter's first sermon. It was a very anointed sermon. It was a very good sermon. And essentially what Peter preaches on that day is what we call the gospel. Gospel simply means this, good news. And he was saying what good news it is that Jesus was killed. And why? Notice right at the very beginning, he actually says, People of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, the man accredited by God, by you, by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as yourselves known, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan. It was right on his plan. His foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. Now, I have to say, Peter must have been pretty brave at this point. Bearing in mind, Peter was the one, uh, where are the feathers gone? They've probably flown off. Peter was the one that denied Christ three times. When challenged at that horrible time, when they didn't really understand what was going on, he denied him three times. And yet this same Peter is standing up in front of this crowd. And in fact, in the passage back in Luke, I won't turn to it because of time, but in the passage back in Luke, when it talks about that cockerel crowing, it actually further on says that you will be a great man. You will be part of the foundation of my church, Jesus says to Peter. Moving on in the passage... I've lost my place, excuse me. Verse 24 says, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So right at the beginning of Peter's sermon, he's telling them that, 
Yep, this Jesus that you've known, that you've seen, you've seen the signs, the wonders and the miracles, this very Jesus that over the last few weeks you have seen go through a trial and be put to death by nailing in a cruel way on the cross, this is the Jesus that is the Messiah and this is the Jesus that was the saviour that has been promised. And then Peter goes in to read a whole section from what David said. David was uh, a king of Israel um, some years previous. David is actually responsible for an awful lot of our Bible. In fact, most of the Psalms is written by David. And if you were to turn to Psalm 16, we won't now because we don't need to because it's rewritten in Acts chapter 2. That's what Peter gives them. He gives them a whole chunk of Psalm 16. God has raised him from the dead as promised. It was foretold. Turn with me for a minute to, if you can, to uh, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15. I just want to give you a little bit of Paul's writing to the Corinthians. This is a really succinct way of giving you the gospel this morning. Verses 5 to 8, the good news of Christ says this. Um, Yes, 1 Corinthians 15, 5 to 8. From verse 3, for, for what I've received, I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 and to the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of which are still alive at this time, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he also appeared to me, Paul, as one abnormally born. This is a time when he's preaching the sermon to this crowd, and there were thousands. We know that 3,000 joined them after this sermon. So I don't mean how many thousand there was after that. This is a time when God revealed to Jerusalem, who he really was. This is a time when those those leaders in Israel finally realized what they had done. And then he quoted, as I said earlier, he quotes uh, Psalm 16, effectively saying, God has fulfilled what your patriarch David said about. Jesus is the Lord and Messiah. Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is on the throne. He is the Savior. He has done it. It is complete. It wasn't what they expected. But their response is what I want to dwell on this morning. And their response is found in verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? I don't know what you think about Easter. I don't know what you think about Uh, the celebrations that we do, 
all of the chocolate that ends up taking up three or four aisles in most of the supermarkets, all of the odd things that we have like bunnies and rabbits and stuff. The real meaning of Easter is right here in this sermon. The real reason that Jesus came is right here. And those that listened to those words from Peter realized exactly what the situation was and they had to respond. It wasn't what they expected, but they had to respond to it. I want to challenge us this morning. Often when we get to key points in the year, it might be right at the beginning of the year, the new year, we set aside time and we say to ourselves, I really must do better. I really must, I don't know, lose some weight. I really must take up a sport, get fit. We do those New Year resolutions. By the time we get to this time of year, they've kind of gone. About 40 days ago, some of you might have said, oh, it's Lent. I'm going to give some stuff up that's not good. Put your hand up if you gave anything up for Lent. Oh, Becca, you gave up sweets for Lent. That was tough. There's some people giving up things for Lent. I know people that gave up Facebook for Lent. That's a challenge. These aren't bad things, but Easter Sunday is a special day. On Easter Sunday, it gives us an opportunity to really reflect and understand what God has done for us. And I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know who you, most of you are, in fact, from the point of view of I don't know you inside and out. But I do know that God knows you inside and out. And I do know that you're probably in one of two, three, four possible places this morning. You might be a regular here at Abbey Church. You might come every Sunday or most Sundays. You might sing all the songs. You might um, join in with that, read the, the, the um, Bible, listen to the sermon. You may count yourself as a Christian. That's fine. Come back to you later. You might be somebody that has come this morning because it's Easter and you don't really understand what Christianity is all about. Or Easter is what Christianity is all about. Christianity is all about the risen Lord Jesus, Savior, the Savior of the world, who has come, he has died on our behalf, so that we may have a relationship back with God. If that's you and you're thinking about things at the moment, we have some booklets here this morning. Just about to tip them everywhere. And it's entitled The Real Easter. If you are wondering more about what Easter is really all about, why we meet here not just this morning, but why Abbey Church meets every Sunday to worship God, then come up to me afterwards, or Julia, and we've got a number of these little books, and we'll be happy to give them to you. In that book, it actually shows you how you might wish to consider becoming a Christian, and there's a prayer in the back. Now, children, if you also uh, want to know more about Easter, and you weren't at Roots yesterday because you would have got one of these anyway, 
then we have some ones for the children as well. It's called the excellent egg hunt for the children. My challenge to you is this. Jesus did the unexpected. You may not have come here this morning expecting to have such a good breakfast if you came here for the breakfast. You may not have come here this morning expecting to have to think about what Jesus really means to you. But whether you know Jesus already or whether you don't, I want you to pray with me that God will do the unexpected in your life. You see, we can come here every week. It doesn't make us a better Christian, by the way. What we really need is our relationship with God to be in a place where we allow God and his plan to take hold and to let go of our plans and allow him to do the unexpected. I'm going to pray right now. Uh, When I finish praying, we're going to have a look at some of these eggs. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus as our Savior, the Savior of the world. Lord, a little bit like the disciples and the apostles at the time, we sometimes find it hard to understand you, understand what you are doing in our lives. But Lord Jesus, we want you to be part of our lives. We want you to be part of our lives more, and we want you to do the unexpected. Lord, help us to see more clearly what it is that you want us to do. As we celebrate your risen Lord Jesus on this Easter Sunday, as we join together and we sing these songs that are coming up in a minute, Lord, just touch our hearts, I pray, and just by your Spirit, give us a real understanding as to what it is that you want us as individuals to do this morning. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Julia. Right.